With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. Good afternoon. After a week off, the UFC is back in action tomorrow night, back at the Apex in Las Vegas for a very fun card, headlined by Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov, a very intriguing heavyweight matchup, and the sun is coming in at the worst time ever. But uh, not only is Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov happening, and as intriguing as that is, this whole card is very intriguing. We're going to talk all about... All things UFC Vegas 18 with all of you as we welcome you to the live MMA fighting UFC Vegas 18 preview show. I am Mike Heck. I do not do this alone. I am joined by the crew. We have Jose Youngs comfortably at home, which is good to see. How are you, sir? Good, man. I want to finish our talk on the Fibonacci sequence before we went live. That was a fun time. (laughs) Uh, The Prince of Positivity is here. Alex K. Lee. How are we doing, my friend? Hello, everyone. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to see everyone again, or I'm, they're seeing us, I guess. But I mean, I'm seeing them through the, you know, internet. I'm looking, I'm seeing all of you right now. Okay. And uh, producer extraordinaire, Mr. E. Casey Lydon. How are you, my friend, after that judgment column between the links awarding Josh Gross the title? Hey, man, I, the people, the people, the people... You know, I just give with the people what they want, you know, it's like, and they were like, Josh Gross, he's, he stole the show, man. So, yeah. But AK, man, that, that was a great lead in. Yeah. Just the way yeah, you you really, you really killed it. The, the, the words. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. See, positivity, it's spread. <laughs> Everyone's positive today. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot to discuss. A lot of positive things to discuss in regards to this card. But uh, for those watching right now, let us know what you want to talk about, what matchups, what fighters, what storylines are intriguing you heading into tomorrow night. Leave your thoughts and questions in the chat. We will wax poetically as you guys do that. But Jose, we're going to start with you. We're going to start at the main event as these uh, questions start to roll in. 
We got Alistair Overeem returning. He enters this fight. Back-to-back finish wins. He's won four out of his last five. The one loss coming with like a second to go in his fight with Jarzina Rosenstrike. A fight, let's be honest, that the Reem was winning pretty much wire to wire until he got stopped. He takes on Alexander Volkov, who looked phenomenal in his last fight against Walt Harris at UFC 254. So, Jose, as a fan of fist fighting and martial arts showdowns, how does this one suit you to cap off the festivities tomorrow night? It's awesome, man. I think this is a really one of like, like I always say I'm a big fan of the high level martial arts competitions, regardless of whether there's title implications or if it's a top 15 versus a top 15 or anything like that. I just like the best fighters to fight the best fighters. Don't need all the trash talk involved in it. And I think this uh, perfectly defines this heavyweight fight because we all joke around about heavyweights being like they're not the most athletic and uh, one punch changes it and this and that but i think these two are really the definition of just like lifelong martial artists who just like to go in there and fight they don't need to do a lot of talking uh that's obviously a big deal in in that in their part of the world alistair overeem is a rock star over in the netherlands and then alex volkov is like the next uh wave of russian uh future of title contenders now obviously fedor is the big one habib's out the door uh we have this new wave of uh russian and dagestani fighters and yes volkov has been there for a long time but we haven't had a heavyweight real really had a heavyweight contender in from that part of the world uh so it's uh it's a big deal for non-us based fans uh so i'm absolutely ecstatic for this they're supposed to throw down before and uh, two very massive heavyweights too but they're not out of shape they look good getting off the bus as i like to say so uh, yeah 10 out of 10 matchmaking in this fight i just saw an interesting comment that uh kind of leads me into my question for you ak because i made this comparison on between the links yesterday and i wanted to get your thoughts on it you are a wrestling fan yourself so you probably remember this alistair overing great story the man is a legend he's been doing this at a high level for a long long time he has evolved with the times and it's been really impressive to watch and one of, he's really been one of the underappreciated stories in our sport in 2021, but he's on this, this final run right now, and he wants to get to a title shot one more time in his illustrious career. AK, is, is Overeem in this self-imposed Ric Flair spot where as long as he's winning, as long as he's getting closer to the title, he's going to keep making that walk and keep throwing bolos, but if he takes an L along the way at any point, that'll be it. Do you buy into that narrative like a lot of other people seem to be? Not really, uh, but I, I think Alistair is saying what he needs to say to himself uh, to, con- to to keep himself motivated at this point. I think that it's a very, very smart mindset to have at this stage because, uh, I mean, look, nobody wants to lose. There's a, no, no one's ever thinking like, oh, well, you know, I can't wait to go, you know, win two and then lose in a fight and then keep continuing. No, he is. He's had he's done that. All right. Uh, he's done everything really in his career. He's had huge uh, winning streaks. Uh, he's had little minor losing streaks you know he had one in the ufc um but if he's serious about about winning that title this is a very very good place to, to have his his mind and where, it, where it's, it's my career it's my career or it's the title that's it uh it, when you've been around this long you have to find these play these kind of little games with yourself you know because again he's he's done it all he's been he's been uh, you know a young hot heavyweight he's been uh, the dominance guy in, in the top three now he's kind of still in the top five still hanging around uh i don't know if other people see him still as someone who could win uh, the UFC heavyweight title. I think really, honestly, I think a, a top five at heavyweight on any good day, any guy could maybe beat any guy, but uh, Overeem, I think is, is up there skill wise. Is the body still willing? You know, I don't know the reflexes, every, everything, just being in the game this long, 
Uh, I think he's the oldest fighter on the card, I believe. He's 40 years old. Yeah, now that uh, Mar- Marion Renault is off, he is the oldest fighter on the card. So, I like I said, I don't necessarily believe that he loses. if he loses, he's actually going to retire. I could see him losing and taking a break. But I think it'll depend how he loses, how he feels after. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses on Saturday if he does – Sort of like one of those kind of cryptic post-fight sort of speeches, saying like "thank, thank you, everyone," uh, but not necessarily leaving the gloves in the cage or doing anything official. So, uh, yeah, so I'm leaning towards he can lose, and we'll still see Overeem fight again. Uh, but at the same time, I, I perfectly understand why he has this approach right now. Jose, what do you think about that? Because I, I, I think I understand why people look at the narrative this way. Like AK said, based on things that Overeem has said, I know he's kind of said otherwise that like. You know, if he loses tomorrow, he's still going to keep on going. But this is the heavyweight division where you can lose one, win two in a row, and you're right back in the mix. Do you think Do you think there's a chance Overeem fights for the last time tomorrow if he loses? No, I don't think so. I think he's, he's a guy that, like he said it a million times, he just likes to compete. Uh, he doesn't really care who it's against, and like you said, he just keeps winning and winning and winning and winning. Like we, he's been on these these losing streaks, and then like he's fought in like the Sergey Pavlovich, Sergey Pavloviches of the world, and uh, he's he's fought these Jairzinos and the Alexei Olenek. So he fought he fights these up and comers, and he fights the veterans and everyone in between. So Overeem is down to fight anyone. He just likes to keep moving forward towards the title. Uh, I've heard him say a million times that whenever he loses, he just wants to get and quote get back in there and play again. So. Uh, I think if he is going to retire, say in this hypothetical world, tomorrow is his or Saturday is his uh, ending ending time in the UFC. I think he would have to lose pretty brutally and viciously. Like if his face gets split open again, maybe. But if he goes out there and just loses a hard fought decision, I am pretty confident he's going to be back in there. But I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sure we're going to get to that. uh, Our predictions moving forward. So, no, I do not think it's the last time we see. I think there is a zero percent chance. Alistair Overeem retires on Saturday in Las Vegas. Casey, I know you're not a guy who plays the ponies or looks at betting lines based on your predictions, but one thing I found very interesting when looking at this earlier today, when this betting line opened, Alistair Overeem opened as the minus 125 favorite. Now there is a lot of money coming in on Alexander Volkov. He's now an over <laughs> two to one favorite tomorrow night. So Volkov's are the you favorite surprised? Now? Yeah, over, he's a two to one favorite right now. If you can Holy believe that. Really? So that's, that's... Are, are you surprised that he's this much of a favorite, especially since, let's be honest, this is kind of the Overeem show. Volkov, the giant that he is, is somehow flying under the radar heading into a fight. Yeah, that's uh, that's weird. I don't, yeah. Uh, especially this being in the small apex cage with these two gigantic humans, which basically they... <laughs> Once they get in there, they're going to be about like this far apart, you know. So, uh, and considering, um, I guess Alistair's new, you know, his new uh, wrestling heavy, not I don't want to call it playing it safe, playing it smart, um, heavyweight MMA kind of game he fights now, and Volkov just being a very long fighter um, who needs lots of room. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's just kind of a that's kind of shocking. I don't, I don't, I don't have very much to say other than wow. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to the peeps, let's uh, let's throw the picks out there, and then we'll let people kind of build upon that. Jose, who gets it done tomorrow night? Does Reams run towards that final championship opportunity, at least for this point, continue on, or does Volkov play some spoiler? I think Overeem wins this. He's looks like for all this flack we give him about like having no chin and 
it like in, in in like one punch and he's out. Like his last two fights, he's been in some very precarious situations. Like he got like would anyone have complained if they had stopped that fight in the Walt Harris fight when Walt Harris was just beating his face in against the octagon? I don't think anyone would have complained, but the referee let it continue and Overeem hit that switch. Like when I say switch, like the actual technique, the switch. Uh, and then got on and finished Walt Harris. And then Sakai looked real good until Overeem withstood that uh, barrage in the first few rounds before he finished the fight, too. So I think this is an Alistair Overeem, like Casey said, that's playing it smart. He has much more wrestling, both offensively and defensively approach to his game. And then, the, like we all say, like the Jairzinho fight, it is what it is. He was winning that fight, but it wasn't a barn burner back and forth war. Jairzinho uh, did take that fight. Uh, on incredibly short notice because I can't remember who Overeem was supposed. Oh, it was supposed to be Walt Harris, of course, in Washington D.C. before the um, the tragedy with his his stepdaughter uh, pulled him out of the fight. So not a real, not a lot of time to game plan. Obviously, Jairzinho was knocking fools out left and right in like under a minute. So Alistair Overeem took that real smart approach: is wrestle him for and control him for pretty much four rounds in like four minutes, five, four and a half minutes before his face got split open. So. I think Walt Harris gets it done. I also am not real sold on uh, Alex, Alexander Volkov's knockout power because he has a couple split decisions. He fought Greg Hardy to a decision. Yeah, he finished Walt Harris with the TKO and he knocked out Verdun, but those were like late rounds. I think the Walt Harris round was somewhere in the middle of the second round, and I know the Verdun fight was the KO was in the fourth round, and then the Strew fight was like way late into the into the third round too. So he doesn't really he doesn't have that barrage of strikes early in the early in the fight that Sakai and Walt Harris had. He whittles you down with the bug whites and then finish you. And I just think Alistair Overeem has seen that a million times. I just think he gets the job done. Not that Volkov can't win. I think he's clearly a top seven, top five heavyweight in the world. I just think right now in the year of our Lord 2021, Alistair Overeem has looked super impressive. And I think he continues on towards his uh, final UFC title shot. AK, who you got? You know, I was, I was almost leaning towards Volkov. Uh, as of this, I was like this morning, but I think I am changing the Overeem. The small cage, it definitely matters. It definitely matters. Uh, and not that Overeem can't fight from distance, but I think a larger cage would have is maybe more made the um, the two to one uh, favorite odds for Alexander Volkov a little more justified because again, that's his expertise. He's a huge guy. Uh, he'd be able to avoid you know the takedowns and, and the wrestling a little bit better. I think if we see kind of the smartest version of Overeem here, someone who mixes up that you know elite kickboxing with of course his uh, great grappling, wrestling, really good submission skills, then yeah, then uh, skill wise, if we're just comparing skill for skill, I think you give Overeem the the edge at least a slight edge in pretty much every category, even even uh, knockout power as Jose mentioned. I think I, I do think uh, Volkov has a little bit more power than Jose is maybe giving him credit for, and, and it's the fact that he finishes late that I actually like his chances uh, to maybe live up to those favorite odds because uh, Overeem isn't quite in that Junior Dos Santos range where we're like we're just waiting for something bad to happen. He, he's not he's not there yet. He's not there yet. Um, I know I know he's been knocked out a lot more than any other uh, fighter in the UFC, uh, but it's also look at the people who have knocked him out. It's not it's people who would knock on anybody. It has really had, I don't think it has anything to do with Overeem's chin. Um, it's just you know you get caught you get caught by any of these guys at two sixty five. You're you're very good chance you're going to go down. So. So that so him getting hit hurt early doesn't worry me. It is sort of later in the fight where if Volkov can find some sort of rhythm and start and start putting stuff together, I can see a late finish. So, you know, I've already done my classic. Uh, this is what I do in my predictions. I do my classic. Here's why I think one person can win, but I'm picking the other person anyway. So, so I'm just kind of you know justifying. If anyone's picking Volkov, there's certainly a reason to do it. But I am going to go with Jose, uh, and I bet Casey as well. And uh, and I'm going to pick uh, pick Overeem. 
by I think it goes the distance. Over by decision. Casey, are you with these gentlemen? Yeah, actually, um, as much as this fight, I love as much as I love this fight as far as rankings wise, and it makes sense. I actually don't. Th- I think this fight's gonna, from an entertainment standpoint, I think it's gonna be kind of a dud. Uh, I think Overeem's gonna just wrestle the heck out of Volkov, and it's gonna be uh, kind of a five round um, wrestle fest. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Overeem, Overeem's smart. He he, Overeem, Overeem, he gets paid good money. He loses a fight. I mean, we're talking about um, earlier talking about you no, know, could this be Overeem's last fight? It is a possibility this may be his last fight in the UFC, just with his with the pay scale he's on. But I don't. I, I still think Overeem's gonna be around. But um, if he does say get knocked out by Volkov, it could be his last fight. So I think Overeem he knows where his bread is, but yeah, his bread is butter. Butter is bread, um, and it's in the UFC right now. And I think getting that win is important. And I think he doesn't really care about entertaining the fans. He just needs to get that W. And I think he's kind of earned that. You know, earned that. You know, from the fans, he can just you know do whatever as long as he gets a W. Um, but I. If Volkov does somehow win, I think it will be early, and I think it will be with an uppercut. Uh, Volkov, Volkov has great long uppercuts, and it always still weirds me out how um, Overeem still has that very uh, kickboxing big glove guard like this, and I just always see I, – I, I, I'm always surprised that fists don't split that guard. But um, if Volkov can maybe knock him out early, I think that's the way to – path to victory for Volkov. I don't see it happening, and Overeem with a um, 50 – 44. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys pretty much said everything I would say. I mean, I feel like Overeem's going to have to weather a storm at some point just because mm-hmm. Volkov is such a monster. His mm-hmm. body work is tremendous. But again, this is nothing Alistair Overeem mm-hmm. hasn't seen already in his career. But Volkov is just a giant of a man and he's looked great. Physically, he looked amazing in the Walt Harris fight. So I think he's going to have his moments mm-hmm. and and kind of in agreement with you guys, the longer this thing goes, I think the bank account, the fight bank account for Overeem gets a little better. Like the interest, so to speak, will keep piling up. Uh, but Volkov, very dangerous guy. Early on, he's dangerous in this fight, but I think Overeem can weather another storm here. I think he gets a decision, but I won't lie. I am, uh, I'm not overly confident in that pick, but that's where I'm leading. But uh, We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, before we head to the peeps, just a rundown of the rest of the main card. I'm sure we're going to be getting questions about the co-main event, a terrific matchup between Corey Sanhagen and Frankie Edgar. You want to talk about odds? Corey Sanhagen is a massive favorite in this fight. I was looking earlier today. He's as high as a minus 450 against Frankie Edgar, which is pretty wild to think about, but that's a huge fight at 135. So then we have the matchup of the uh, the Wiley Vets, Michael Johnson and Clay Guida. That should be fun. We'll see the long-awaited UFC debut of Manel Cape against Alexandre Pantoja. That's a great flyweight scrap. Cody Stamen stays on the card. Third different opponent. He's going to take on the debuting Askar Askar, not Askar Askarov. His name is Askar Askar. <laughs> and then uh, quite possibly the most under-the-radar fight of the year with what has been put on the books in 2021 for the UFC opens up the main card at 155 pounds between surging contenders Diego Fajeda and Benil Darius. This is a rematch from UFC 179 over six years ago. Darius won that fight via unanimous decision, but it was a short-notice fight for both guys. I think it was like two weeks' notice for both of them, and it was the, the first loss of Diego Fajeda's career. So also the first fight for... CDF since being the first fighter ever to submit Anthony Pettis over a year ago at UFC 246. So there's a lot to like here on this main card. Let's go to the peeps and see what they have to say. Casey Lydon. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that this card for a fight night card, this card freaking rules. I mean, the top three fights with a soup, with a, with an impressive victory from the top three fights, all three of those gentlemen who win could potentially be fighting for the title in their next fight. Um, if Manel Cape has a big win, he could be fighting for the title. Sanhagen or Edgar, if they have a big win, they could be fighting for the title. And I think if Overeem just knocks out Volkov early, he could be fighting for a title next or within one one or two fights. So, yeah, I just kind of was like, man, this is an awesome, awesome card. Yeah, free card in ESPN. Nice. I was like, wow. Well, yeah. All right, questions. Do, do, do. Good job, UFC. All right, all right. We sound insane. <laughs> yeah. No, well, we, we are insane. So <laughs> accurate. P. Diddy Ball. Uh, all right. I don't know P. why. Diddy Ball. Shout outs. Shout outs. I feel very quite sane, actually. <laughs> uh, Matt Bradbury. Could Overeem face Derek Lewis regardless of if he loses or wins against Curtis Blades? Jose, your thoughts on this? Um. Probably, if if Derek Lewis loses to Curtis Blades and Overeem beats Alexander Volkov, I would say probably not, because like Overeem says, he wants to get like if Overeem if that's the fight they offer them, I'm, Overeem will take it. Like we all know that Overeem will fight anyone, but if he wants to get to the title, I would probably say the winner of this should fight the winner of Jairzinho and Cyril Gone, 
Cyril Gaon is uh, Jairzinho, of course, over him wanted that rematch. And Cyril Gaon's kind of the new, the hot prospect coming up, a la like the Francis and Ganus and the Jairzinhos of the world uh, when they were on the rise. So I think if Overeem wants to move closer to the title, if he, in his mind, if he wins this, he he fights the winner, Jairzinho Gaon. If he gets, if it's Jairzinho, it's a win, and he gets that re- that fight back. And if it's Cyril Gaon, he gets another opportunity to face a rising heavyweight prospect uh, in a not in a very top heavy division. So uh, I don't think so. Maybe the losers, if Derek Lewis loses, he lo- faces Volkov again, or he fights the loser of Gaon and Jairzinho. But no, if Derek Lewis loses, over he moves on. AKM also because Curtis, 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 Curtis Blades and Overeem are teammates too. So if Curtis Blades that's true finishes it, then Overeem is just like, all right, that our business is done with him because they both yeah. want to fight him. <laughs> Do you think um God Jesse o- Overeem's kind of he's kind of a he has a kickboxing mentality where like he doesn't care about fighting teammates. That was the whole kind of. Yeah. yeah, a little With bit Arlovsky. of a rift between the Arlovsky thing because Arlovsky was yeah. like, "Hey, we don't do that," but he was like, "Yeah, we do. We're fighters." So, um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I'm just saying that there might be a chance for Blades Overeem rematch eventually, but I doubt I it. I think that would be a harder sell because I think, oh, in the like, especially when we interviewed him in Jacksonville, over, I've never heard Overeem talk be so complimentary towards a single individual than he has about Curtis Blades. No, he also true. said that te- he says that yeah. team elevation. That's that's the name, right? That team elevation is like because Overeem has moved around so much, and he said he found a home in Denver. Like, like he wants to his career in that camp. I think it would be a harder sell for him. Uh, plus, they already fought, uh, yeah. and and Curtis Blades gashed his face open, and that made Overeem go train with him. <laughs> I feel like maybe they have like an unspoken deal. Curtis Blades like you can train with me, but you can't use. Yeah. My my powers against me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the fight could happen. I think to answer the qu- like the exact okay. phrasing of the question, could he end up facing Derek Lewis? Yeah, yeah, of course he could. Uh, uh, Derek Lewis is on two fight win streak. Um, yes, if he loses, it would kind of it would kind of stink if uh, if Overeem on his quest to you know get that second shot at UFC title had to go through someone who's coming off a loss. But Lewis is is really firmly entrenched in that top five, and and it's a fight that people really want to see. I think I think uh, Mike, we've mentioned it at least once on on our matchmaking show. Uh, on to the next one, I've seen readers suggest it. So uh, just from an aesthetic step standpoint, it's a fight that uh, it's another fight that could easily headline uh, a fight night card. So for the UFC, it's a very logical matchup to make. Again, would I, do I is that what I would want to happen for Overeem? Should he win? On Saturday, and should uh, uh, Derek Lewis lose his next fight against Blades? I I don't think I don't wouldn't like it if I was making the matches. But could it happen? I think very easily. If that matchup was made, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, it's one of those. It's there if you need it type of fights. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh, big question. Ah, Nico Montano was supposed to fight Carol Hosa. Nico is in a car accident, medically uncleared to fight. Jocelyn Edwards is back. Fans wanted Nico fired. AK, why does Nico Montano get so much hate? Boy, there are, uh, and, and by the way, I'm not saying I agree, but there are so many reasons that I've seen uh, for people not liking, or if I say, I guess a certain segment of fans not liking Nico Montano. First of all, uh, she wins a UFC championship off of a reality show. That's a big, that's a big X right there. That's a big, she was one of the, uh, somehow rather than it being viewed as this kind of cool Cinderella story, I think she beat, she beat a few veteran fighters, which earned respect, but didn't necessarily make people like her. Uh, I think people knew also, you know, one of the, that, that season, I think uh, Shevchenko would have been on it if there wasn't, but I think there was, I don't remember why. I don't know if at the time she, no, no, I'm thinking about another fighter, but people knew Shevchenko was out there. 
uh, and was really someone who could be a champion at 125 already. So when Montaigne won it, it was it just felt wrong uh, for her to kind of get it that way. And then and then she didn't even get a chance to defend it. That's probably the worst part is she didn't get a chance to defend it. There was a lot of legitimate health reasons she had. Uh, that would keep any fighter out. So, I mean, it's not like, so for anyone who thinks she was like ducking or avoiding certain opponents, I think is crazy. She was saying all the right things uh, as far as establishing herself as a contender, but how she's going to beat Valentina and all that stuff. And, and she wasn't scared of her, which at the same time, further kind of aggravated people because Shevchenko was building this huge fan base. And so now people are taking a side. Now you're on a Shevchenko side or you're on a Montano side. And there's a lot more people on the Shevchenko side than there is on the Montano side. So there's two strikes. You're 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 winning. You, you've won a, the the Cracker Jack title on a reality off the Ultimate Fighter, you, which again I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I understand hurts the credibility a little bit. And two, you've 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 uh, aligned yourself against now one of the more popular fighters in the UFC. So that's two strikes. And then of course she just hasn't been able to fight. Just whatever the reasons are, justified or not, fans don't want to hear it. They can only take so many pullouts before it's just like. They think either either your your something is wrong with you, and you're 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 just not doing what it takes to get in. Again, if people read about her situations, it's all stuff that's kind of out of her control. But try to explain that to fans who uh, who already don't like someone, and and there's your three strikes right there. And I'm, I'm probably missing some stuff too, but there was I mean right there is just t- really tough to climb up the hill after all that. Jose, what do you, like what do you make of Nico Montana? Because remember, like we, we talk about like unlucky fighters. Over the years, like Ian McCall is like probably one of those guys at the top of the list of guys that are just super unlucky. And I feel like Nico Montano like might be on that same wavelength. Do you agree? Is she like in that conversation? Yeah, because she had she wanted like Casey said, like 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 uh, Alex said, like wasn't she? Also, she was the 16th ranked fighter or something like that. She was like the lowest ranked fighter on that season. She won. Uh, Roxanne Modafari was also not the original opponent she was supposed to fight, and I think Roxy she's supposed to fight Sajar uh, Eubanks, Eubanks so if I'm not mistaken. Who again, Eubanks, yeah. another fighter that fans don't <laughs> aren't a big fan of either. So Roxy is is like a lot of people like Roxy she's been around forever and I think that was her biggest chance to capture the UFC championship was against Nico wasn't a great wasn't the most exciting mm-hmm. fight yeah it was probably the best fight of that night uh but it wasn't the most the the, the most action-packed fight so she beats Roxy popular fighter is out for like a year with like sinus issues and like and something crazy like that supposed to fight Valentina who is probably one of the most popular female fighters on planet earth Pulls out of the fight, like, what, the day before because of a weight cut issue. And if you have issues making weight, fans will turn on you immediately. Uh, stripped of her title, so she doesn't even get to defend it. And then didn't she – wasn't she one of the fighters who had to settle with USADA over, like, having certain levels of Austrian in her system too? So it was, like, low levels, but it was, like, a handful of fighters tested. And then USADA had to, like, dial back, and uh, they settled it. So she lost, like, six, seven months to that. And then she had, like, a crazy knee injury. And then didn't her coach catch COVID? And then she's in a, and then she's, uh, she gets in a car crash. So yeah, she's by far one of the most unlu- unlucky fighters in, in the world. And unfortunately, uh, she's been paired up with very popular fighters, uh, and, and and she's either lost or she's beaten them or she's not made weight against them. It's unfortunate because remember that that Dallas car is supposed to be a double title fight with Woodley and Till and then Valentina and Nico, and then Nico falls out. So then it's a one title fight again. Tyron Woodley loses out on a popular fight in his co-main event because remember he was supposed to headline for ferguson habib and then that fight fell out of ufc 209 so woodley's also an unfortunate fighter that loses out on these big fights on his cards too so yeah it's unfortunate that fans don't like nico but i it's the same fans that don't like jermaine Duran to me for whatever reason it's just people are weird i want to add to that yeah nico yeah 
everything Alex said, but she also runs into that problem that's not her fault. But just like Carla Esparza and, G and GDR when she won the 45 belt, they won the belt with most fans and most media members thinking the best fighter was still on the roster, but not not having the belt. When Carla Esparza won, everyone thought Joanna was the best at the time, but Joanna wasn't. Joanna wasn't on tough. And when Montana uh, Nico won, we all thought, okay, Valentina just has. Was Valentina at at twenty five yet? Was she still at thirty five? Yeah, but she no, was always she was a twenty five or before she came she was, into. She was UFC. dropping down. Yeah, yeah. So so like when Asparza won, when Nico won, when J JDR won, Cyborg was right there, and you know, so yeah so they never they had the belt but no one considered them the best even in the ufc at the time so that just sucks for them and it wasn't their fault but <laughs> there's always these like dangerous conversations you have where like one thing happens and it like changes the, tra the trajectory of somebody's entire life like i always think about this sometimes with nico montana like imagine if valentina shevchenko like waited another year to drop down to 25 like where would nico montano fit into yeah. this equation because like valentina when she made her 125 debut she almost killed somebody in that octagon. Like that was a brutal beating that should have been stopped a long time before it was stopped. And that changed everything. As soon as people saw that fight, they're like, oh boy, Nico Montano is in so much trouble and she doesn't even really know it yet. But if she waited like another year and Nico like fought somebody else off of that season or something like that, like, you know, who knows? Would we be, even be having these conversations right now? But it's a dangerous, dangerous hole to crawl into because you might not be able to get out of it. But we'll see what happens with uh, Nika Montano. I like the Jocelyn Edwards substitution. Big opportunity for her. Another short notice chance. And Carol Hosa is no jokes. So that should be a fun fight. Big fan of Jocelyn Edwards. Uh, Casey, Sanhagen only had around 30% takedown defense. Do you think Frankie will take down and or control Corey Sanhagen tomorrow night? Is that the path of victory, we think? Yes. Mm -hmm. Probably. I think if I think if it's gonna, if Frankie's gonna win, it's gonna be like a Yaya Rodriguez type thing where he just big brothers him. Just, I don't know if that's possible, but I think that would be the path to victory. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought this was for yeah, Casey. Oh. Any? Oh, is it for me? Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I thought like through to you. Sorry, I was like, <laughs> that's how you just... were really thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think, Casey? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know what? Um, I think Corey is one of those. Uh, Corey's one of those guys. We just kind of. He's obviously very good, but he makes mistakes. Now is he is he kind of matured and gotten better with each fight? Uh, I think he has. Um, is that good enough to beat Frankie? I don't know. I really love it. The line was crazy. What you told me, Mike. Uh, I think this fight is such. I think this fight's awesome. I think Frankie. Are, people are completely sleeping on Frankie, and they completely are underrating his great victory over Pedro Munoz. A very close fight, but he won the fight. I ha I have Frankie winning the fight, and I think I think people just kind of sleep on Pedro Munoz to be honest. So they just not they're just not giving Frankie the credit he deserves at thirty five, and um. Man, uh, yeah, I think Frankie can take him down and control Corey. I don't know. That's what that's what we're gonna have to find out. I I just don't know how good Sanhagen is, um, honestly, uh, with that. So I don't know. We'll find Casey, out. Casey, I know you like the uh, almost like the the topology uh, like fan pick percentage. Yeah, more so, even more so than the odds. So it's 
82% Sanhagen. Uh, so matches kind of matches the, what the odds yeah. say. At 41% predicting Sanhagen by KO or TKO. 41%. That's a lot for a guy, for a guy who never gets finished. <laughs> yeah, well... well why the hate on Frankie? What do you, I, not, I, I think it's a, I think it's a I I think it's a little combination of of uh, Sanhagen just like decapitated Frankie's former training partner. So right. Frankie, like like you said, like he's lost to he like I read some crazy stat on Reddit where Frankie has never been taller than his opponent. Uh, so I think and Corey Sanhagen is like freakishly tall even for bantamweight. So I just think people. Yeah. There's a lot of things like the last, like how tall is Corey Sanhagen compared to Max Holloway? Probably I think not that much. Yeah. Yeah. And like we saw Max just like kind of piece up Frankie and route to a pretty easy decision. Uh, Frankie's lost to a lot of guys, I think, that are better than Corey Sanhagen. So I don't know. It's, I think fans are clearly sleeping on Frankie Edgar. I don't know if, what, who's the best grapplers wrestler Sanhagen's ever fought? Algerman? And look what happened. Yeah. It was like a first round submission. Like, we just don't know. For all we know, Corey Sandhagen's the best wrestler in the world. He just hasn't had an opportunity to show it. So, uh, plus three rounds, I clearly have to kind of side with Frankie Edgar in three rounds, considering does, doesn't he have the most octagon time in the history of the promotion yep. or something crazy yep. like that? So, that just shows you how many five round fights he's had. I, I lean slightly towards Frankie. Hmm. AK, how much stock do you put in? Because you listen, at some point through 15 minutes, Frankie's got to take this fight down, he's got to take Corey Sandhagen down. Just a matter mm-hmm. of what he does. How important is like the result of that first takedown? Like if, if Frankie takes him down like a minute into the first round and holds him down for most of that round, I mean, that's massive. But if Corey could get right back up and start landing shots, that changes things too. Like how how much stock do you put into the first takedown that Frankie Edgar lands? Well, it's like you said, it's it's not just about the takedown defense, it's about the the, the takedown recovery. If 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 Sanhagen has really, really been drilling that, we'll know within the first two minutes. You know, we'll know in the first two minutes. Because I think you're right. I think, you get, like everyone's saying, uh, and I think as, as Matt, Brad, Matt Bradbury suggested, uh, I think it's no secret. Edgar's team knows that that, that to take downs be very advantageous in this situation against a guy that's uh, younger, bigger, uh, probably has a bit of a speed advantage. I mean, it's, hard, it's crazy to say that with, with Frankie, that anyone has a speed advantage over him. But it's, I think Sanhagen's pretty quick, or at least it's the way his fighting styles uh, lends itself to kind of a quick pace. Uh, so, yeah, I know it's we're going to see, man, that they got me thinking about the defense. I don't normally like look at the numbers that much, like that 30 percent defense that ma- that matches throughout there. But uh, I'd have to see a sample size, too. Right. What is I, the, actually, I, I also I like want to yeah. Yeah, of how I many know how, like has he defended one of three? Yeah, that would right. be a 33% yeah, takedown <laughs> defense. Like, like I want to know how right, many takedowns like, actually yeah. shot. And, and, and take, like and takedowns are so overrated because it's not about sorry, it's not about takedowns. Right. It's about it's what you do once your butt is to ground. Because a lot of guys get taken yeah. down, but as soon as that butt is to ground, boom, they get up. And the guy doing the takedown winds up putting way more energy out there. So um yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that. Yeah, uh, I hate I hate those stats. <laughs> get those stats. Get your get those number your math out of here. Numbers. Urgh. Stats. Let's go back to talk about the Fibonacci sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw I just saw an interesting comment. I think it was MMG two K twenty. A lot of people have been saying, "Hey, listen, if the main event's five rounds, co-main event in certain cases should be five rounds. Are always five rounds." This gentleman says the co-main should be five rounds, but the main event should only be three rounds. He wants to flip-flop the whole damn thing. But this car, I don't, I mean, let's, you know, let's mess around here. Why not? (laughs) I mean, I would say this for the main event. I feel like, 
I feel like we're going to know who's going to win that fight after three rounds. If it goes five rounds, I feel like we already know who's going to win by the third round. But you never know. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great. But together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Uh, But talking about bantamweights... This is interesting. Do you think it's a little strange that TJ Dillashaw didn't have a fight booked as soon as his suspension was lifted? What do you think about that, Jose? Uh, they're probably going to see some of these fights play out because uh, who, who would he be matched up with right now? Rob Font is like the only one I think that doesn't have a fight. And I think I don't, I doubt, like, boom, what Alan <laughs> Bones Jones said. I don't think. TJ wants to fight Rob Font. Not that he thinks Rob Font is a bad fighter. He just probably wants a big because, like, he lost to Henry Cejudo at flyweight. He didn't lose a bantamweight. He got his his title stripped from him for taking bad substances. So in his mind, he's probably still the champion. So he probably wants to fight for a title, at least a number one contender fight. So uh, the winner of this, obviously, the Casey Kenny Cruz fight is happening too. I just think maybe the the, the bantamweight title has to happen as well. As Peter Jan's already calling him out, even though he hasn't even fought Alderman yet. So. Uh, probably want to wait and see what happens with these fights. Would be my best guess. AK, what do you think? Yeah, and by the way, I, I asked I asked Piotr this the other day when I spoke with him, and he said uh, he wasn't giving anything away. He's he's commented on TJ and coming back. He thinks TJ should probably get another fight. But you know, if they uh, they offer him TJ, if he beats Aljo and the money's right, he'll take it. But Piotr said, I'm getting on the microphone after I beat out Jermaine Sterling and I'm calling for my next opponent. Could be TJ, could be somebody else. Yeah. So who knows? Well, what, what do you think happens with TJ here? It's going to be TJ. So? You're, you're, you're absolutely saying it. It's, of course, they're going to, of course, they're waiting for TJ. He's the big <laughs> name. And, and, and Dillashaw knows this. Look, Sanhagen said at the media day earlier this week, like, and I, and I, I, I agree with him. It's, it's, if, if this was a fair and just business, Dillashaw would not be immediately in the title picture. He should have to fight someone before getting a title shot. And that may be how it unfolds. But as this question kind of implies, the fact that he, he hasn't been tells me that he that uh, Dillashaw knows he has leverage being a two-time, uh, two-time champion, having a lot of name value at 135. And there's a very good chance Jan calls him out. And of course, Dana White and the UFC would love that. They'd be like, yeah, we want us, we want, we like TJ. We want to throw him right back in the title picture. He's 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 served his time, as it were, uh, for his you know his uh, EPO suspension. So, uh, but yeah, Corey Sandhagen was very vocal. Um, well, as vocal as Corey Sandhagen gets anyway, saying uh, no, he shouldn't be in the conversation. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about him as as uh, getting a title shot. 
he, he really stopped short of, of kind of like really, really calling Dillash out. But again, if anyone just wants to see the clip from uh, from uh, Media Day, you can see that. Yes, I, I kind of agree with Sanhagen. It's not right. It's not right that Dillashaw gets thrown right back in. But if if the question is imply that was asked us is implying is it because he's waiting to see even get that title shot? Yeah, that's definitely the case. I'll t- I'll tell you why. I know the answer to this question because the oh UFC and I've I've said this before and I I'm sticking by it. The UFC wants to book Dillashaw versus Uriah Faber. They want to make that fight. I'm telling you. I love that. That's fight. the fight they get. That's the fight they fight. offer TJ. I guarantee it. That's the fight they want to make. Faber probably said yes. TJ's like, nah, I want to. I want a title fight, or at least he wants to wait to see how this this Jan Sterling fight plays out. But I honestly think that's the direction the UFC wants to go because if they, you only have so much juice left in the Uriah Faber fruit, so to speak, and the biggest fight you can make for him is the Dillashaw fight. Like most Dillashaw is probably gonna be a massive favorite in that fight, but you could you could throw that in the main event of a fight night card, and people will watch and people will care about it. Even though people think TJ is going to win, the heat there will sell it. And I think that's a good fight for both guys. If TJ wins, boom, you get your title shot, you got your win. It's a favorable matchup, but it's one that gives them some buzz coming back. I mean, I think that's what the UFC wants to do here. Getting it done is a different story altogether. Yeah, Mike, that fight, there's no, there's never been a more perfect time for that fight. Because like, if, if, if TJ... Fights for the title, loses the title, fights whoever wins. The, the, the window's gone. This is TJ's been out for a while. He's going to have ring rust. Faber's the perfect guy. I don't know. That's just like, it makes sense. So what, what, what happens when things make sense in this sport, Jose? What is it? I don't <laughs> they, don't <laughs> they don't happen. They don't happen. Stop making sense. Stop making Stop sense. Stop making sense. All right. All right. All right. Next question. Do, 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 do. Uh. Uh, talk amongst yourself. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. There we go. Here we go. Man, how about the O? Ooh. Lock's a strong word, but I love the fight. Yeah. Fajada versus Darius. A lock to see receive either fight of the night or performance of the night bonus. Will it be straight fireworks? Casey, what do you think? Fajada versus Darius. I couldn't love this fight more. This is my favorite fight on the card, if we're being honest. Uh, is this a lock or as close to a lock in your opinion, if you had $20 of supplemental income to put on a fight, getting a bonus of some kind, would you put the $20 on this fight? It's an awesome fight. I, ah, man. Darius is like one of those guys just like, I just love Darius because like, he just doesn't look the part, (laughs) you know, like you think, you know, you think of these guys with big knockouts and just, Mr. Nice Guy Darius, and like he, even like his, he doesn't even have that that kind of crazy fighter you no know, physique. He just he just kind of it, dude looks in shape, but once you hit Darius, he just like he doesn't even go rage mode. He just starts. He just some, somehow his his shots are very accurate and very heavy. And Ferrer, I think, is freaking very good, super underrated. Um, oh man. I, I, I want to say performance of the night, but then I can't imagine one of these dudes getting smoked by the other guy because they're both it's such a competitive fight. Um, yeah, fight of the night. Here we go. You're you're right. <laughs> if this run if this run next week's card, I'd probably be more confident about it getting one of those post fight awards. But there's a lot of good stuff here. I mean, I think Sandhagen, I think Sandhagen Edgar and Overeem Volkov, I think will both be good fights. Fight of the night worthy. I don't know, but I think they could be. 
Um, I think Devontae Smith, Justin James could have a big finish. I think the Bantoja Cape fight uh, is going to have a finish as well. And I think that could also be an exciting fight. So uh, I definitely can't say lock. No way. Okay. Yeah, locks, locks a strong yeah, one. I love the fight. Love the fight. <laughs> um, love the fight. You know, Overeem's only ever won two bonuses, right? Everyone keeps talking about it. Brock? Like, he never gets bonuses. Brock? No. He, he didn't win uh-huh. for Brock? No. What? What? How did well, he not get That's so crazy. Not only did he not win a, for Brock, he didn't win one until five or six years into his UFC career. <laughs> oh, man. Like, he won back-to-back. He won back to back, and that's what? it. What Who were they? It? Who were they? I can't remember. Arlovsky performance of the night and Stipe fight of the night. Yeah. He's that's the only bonus he's ever won. Kind of nice, kind of weird one. But the Stipe that was, that was, was really, crazy. Fight. It was really good. One, I mean, it was, it was, had a lot yeah. happen. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> that one, yeah. a lot happened in like a short amount of time. I thought he should have won for JDS. Right? <laughs> is what it is. And then Volkov yeah. only is Volkov only is two as well. But one fight of the night and against Struve and one KO. Against Verdum. So I would hazard a guess that the main event is least likely of the main card fights to win a bonus. I would say so. Yeah. If, if it's a performance, I, I think it's going to be Volkov, actually. I mean, even, even I'm not picking Volkov, but Volkov does does finish over. And I think it will be a, a spectacular finish. And I think Volkov will get a performance if he does get the finish. Um, I want to talk about, let's talk about this. Do you think Michael Johnson can make a run at the top 10 in the lightweight division? Boy, I mean, just starting out, I mean, he's going to have to run off like six in a row to, to get into the top 10 of this division. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's just great. Benil Dariush isn't even in the top 10. The guy's won five fights in a row. He's finished four of them, and he's fought a murderer's row to get there. Missed, top missed, 10, weight, for, missed weight for one of them. That's true. He did miss weight for one of them, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Can you talk about Michael Johnson in general? Like his whole career is it's, it's just amazing. bizarre. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> like it's so crazy. And I think he's what uh, uh, ten and is he ten and nine or does he have a losing record in the UFC? One second, let me. Let me oh, real is he, his UFC record? Yeah, he's lost uh, eight of his last eleven. Classes. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. It's he, not great. He's lost eight of his last eleven. But if he yeah. fought Dustin Poirier again, <laughs> I would and beat him. Three, I don't know, three out of ten times, I would pick Michael Johnson over Dustin Poirier because Michael Johnson just has that kind of in the right matchup, and if he just stays focused, he's freaking super good. Like he, well, he should have beat Josh Emmett, you know, at forty-five, was, and then uh, until he did that it, was yeah. his last win. That was his last win, actually, at one hundred and fifty-five pounds. Was Dustin Poirier? Uh, so September twenty sixteen, he has not in won Hidalgo, a fight Texas. And Hidalgo, yes, correct. Uh, he's 11 and 12 in the UFC, 19 and 16 overall. I, I, I have to echo what uh, what Mike says. It's 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 a matter of it's not that it's, he's not talented and he can't get some wins. The division is just so deep that making the top 10, and making the top 15 is super hard. So I, I no, if I if I had to if I, if this is a binary question. Yes or no? I, I'm betting no. I think Michael Johnson, great fighter, has had a very good career. Whenever he's done, should be he has a lot of years left in him. Whenever he's done, should be very proud of what he's done. I, I don't think we see him crack the top ten again. Jose, is Michael Johnson one of the best seven and a half minute fighters in UFC history? <laughs> uh, maybe I guess I've never thought about it like until right this I, I, second. I, I, but like, 
Look at the guy he's fighting on on Saturday. Like you're talking about <laughs> career wins. Like Clay Guida has wins over Anthony Pettis, RDA, Nate Diaz, like Joe Lozon. Like talk about another guy who's beaten like like would you favor Clay Guida against Anthony Pettis, RDA, or Nate Diaz in 2021? Probably not. No. So and it's the same thing with Michael Johnson. All these wins we're having, like Barbosa, Johnson, Ferguson, like Tony Ferguson, like some of the greatest fighters of all time. Like these two guys fighting on Saturday have such bizarre careers where they've beaten probably like of those names, the top 15 lightweights ever, top 10 lightweights in the history. Like and even BJ Penn, who a lot of people put like maybe three, four greatest lightweight ever. Clay Guida beat him. Yes, it was BJ Penn of current iteration, but still a <laughs> win nonetheless. Uh, but Coward Jerry doesn't he have one over Coward Jerry too, mm-hmm. and then like just such a weird careers between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. I think with Clay, I think with Clay Guida, the, the difference is when he loses, he just loses. I mean, he gets he gets kind of slaughtered. Michael Johnson's losses have kind of been like he was dominating or at least winning winning handily until he just. Blew. I think that's 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 kind of the thing. I, I'm I'm so confused with Michael Johnson. I don't like I don't get it. Because like, <laughs> like, but yeah, like for the first seven minutes, for the first three minutes of a fight, I don't know. Like, he seems like, yeah, he could be the best lightweight in the world, until he's not. <laughs> uh, UFC never, appearance he's... number number thirty for Clay Guida, one of one of only eight UFC fighters ever to to hit that number thirty. Uh, so congratulations to Clay Guida on that fight number fifty six. Let's talk about how Michael Johnson has a win over Artem Lobov too. Have we? How have we not brought that Absolutely. up? Absolutely. And only two doesn't people, even, two people have ever been on mention. Only two people yeah, have been on Yeah. Ryan Hall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say three. Because yeah. Cub Swanson's win over Poirier, Charles Oliveira, and of course, Artem Lovov is looking real, mo- much more impressive as time goes on. Yeah. That's right. Talking about talking about Michael Johnson beating Artem Lobov is like saying, uh, you know, uh, talking about Michael Jordan winning a championship. We, we know it. We all know it. We talk. We don't. It doesn't need to be mentioned. It's like obviously, it's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think Michael Johnson is the win over Artem Lobov. So. I usually I used to think well, when you Google Michael Johnson, you get the Olympic sprinter. Usually yes. comes up first. <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko versus Stephen A. Smith. God, Enough of this clown. <laughs> the more yeah. we talk Pass, about it, the cast. more clicks he gets. Thank you. <laughs> Thank hey, you for hey. Know it goes fast. <laughs> I'd pay $100 for that hey, easy. Hey, I saw we, someone we have, say this. I saw someone say this on Twitter. Like, everything MMA fans are feeling right now is how other sports fans have felt for the last 10 years. I know. Stephen I know. A. Smith I, has no good opinions about no anything. Credibility. It's just hitting MMA right now. Yeah, everyone, everyone. Uh, hey, look, hey, it's our fault. We have a couple of Stephen A. Smith articles up on the uh, up on the site, so it's our fault. All right, we've done our part. I, I, I accept responsibility. But yeah, like Jose just said, uh, I, I think you only to realize this is not a Stephen A. Smith doesn't know about MMA problem. It's like this guy, whatever knowledge he has, he's not using it because that's not what he gets paid. He has okay, a so. deep, deep Rolodex in the NBA. Like I cannot knock him for that. But, like anything else he talks about, I had I don't want to hear it. <laughs> But who Thank you got? You who you does. got, though? <laughs> what is this? Is this a hot dog eating contest? Is this a jelly bean eating contest? Is this guess how many? Is this a dart throwing contest? Like how many is like it, five syllable words can you use in a sentence? Because I, I don't think anyone on planet Earth. Well, if I'll that's a Valentino over all of them, who yeah. can use who can use most five syllable words in one sentence between Stephen A. Smith and Luke Thomas? <laughs> that's probably much more of a competition than Valentina and Stephen A. Smith and anything. <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> 
Who's, who's the biggest <laughs> jackass? Stephen A. Smith in a, in a walk. It's not even close. Yeah. I saw someone call him Steve once, and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Steve Smith. We should just call him Steve in the MMA space. Steve. Someone said uh, – someone was like, uh, what's up, Steve? And he goes, all oh, friends call me Stephen A. And so the guy just goes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I might. I'm stealing that. I think I'm just gonna call him Steve from now on. Uh, there's Steve, Steve again. Steve A and Steve B. <laughs> oh, we got any more? Like yeah, we got a couple. More. We got a couple more. How many He's more? He's already a Hall of Guido? Famer. Yeah, <laughs> this is right. He's in there for the, yeah. the Diego fight. Is he? Could he be a two-time right, Hall of Famer? Is he gonna be I on? Forgot about the Gomi fight. Yeah, the Gomi yeah. fight. What happened in the Gomi I fight? Completely, completely. I don't remember that at all. Guida beat Gomi is what I'm saying. So, like, I was rattling off these wins he has, and I forgot Guida beat Gomi. RDA, he broke his jaw, right, with the submission? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was Because that – that because he beat RDA, Gomi, and Pettis all in a row, if I remember correctly. Because Pettis was supposed to fight – He was supposed to fight for the title right away during the WBC merger, but then Mm -hmm. uh, Frankie and uh, Gray fought to a draw. So then Pettis ended up fighting Clay in the meantime, and Clay won. And then I think Clay lost to Benson on the first Fox card ever. In the co-main event in a real fun scrap. So yeah, Clay Guida is already a Hall of Famer. I, how much he has left in him, I think he's he's one of these guys where if he gets cut, he's just gonna fight, keep fighting. Yeah, uh, but he's gonna. I don't see him retiring anytime soon. You'll be you'll be seeing him on this fist uh, fighting in South Korea or something. It'd be great. I don't think. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that has like a job forever unless he gets like brutally KO'd, like a couple fights in a row. But that Maybe, doesn't happen yeah. that often. He might lose, but. He's he's seemingly well, like well, he, every he's fight. Got, he has been KO'd, but then he gets back up and then once. he runs around the cage. He's been knocked out once in his life, if I remember correctly. Chad Mendes? Who knocked him out? Was it Mendes? Uh, that was a TKO. I think he was KO'd, like just KO'd by Brian Ortega. Like the Chad Mendes was like he got dropped jumping knee? Mendes, like, it was a flying knee. Yeah, it was an, it was like a knee or flying something. Then he's been like submitted. By, yeah, he's yeah. been Ortega, he's Ortega. been tapped by like Jim Miller, Charles yeah. Oliveira, and like Tiago Tavares. If I remember, maybe Dennis Bermudez, if I remember correctly. But I think the the Ortega yeah. fight's the only one where he was just like deaded, and that was UFC yeah. 199. So I, if I remember correctly, so I don't think anyone even remembers it because that fight card was insane. I was I was in the uh, Casey, pro- Casey has. Uh, I don't think Casey works that night. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think Wes probably Dana, asked Dana, Dana gave me the night off. What a sweetheart he is! <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I think Wes probably asking, will he be a you know put in as a Hall of Famer and like the fight, what is it the fighter fighter wing fighter Mo- wing the modern wing, wing the modern wing modern whatever, wing, whatever. Yeah. I actually think he will because again this is like oh, the three Hall of Fame where it's like are are you friends with Dana is really the question. Does yeah. Dana like you? Dana loves Clay Guida. Why wouldn't he? Why Clay wouldn't Guida so, will make the Hall of Fame before Demetrius yeah. Johnson will. <laughs> I laugh. You just made me laugh, but. Probably yes, yeah, yeah. yeah and, you know and, what I mean. So and way I, before Frank Shamrock, way before Frank Shamrock. Yeah, that's that's what happened. I, I don't even. I'm not <laughs> the Hall of Fame thing. I mean, much like so, performance yeah. of the night awards Two-time. are very political. Hall of Fame is very political. We know that. Two time Hall of Drew, Famer Clay Guida and former Strike Force champion. <laughs> oh yeah, Drew Carey and Pete. Drew Carey and Pete Rose will be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Hey. before <laughs> Frank Shamrock is in the UFC Hall of Fame. Pete, <laughs> Pete Rose is going to make the UFC Hall of Fame before what Frank. I get. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Why can't he be in the UFC Hall of Fame? He went to a fight once, probably. Yeah, yeah. This is photos of. Um, we haven't Wilmer talked Valderrama. about this gentleman. We haven't talked about this gentleman right. yet. Like, it's not really a question, but it's a comment. But wow, JC. So I'm so excited to see Manel Cape. Yeah, he's, he's I'm picking, like it's finally happening. 
I'm picking Pantoja to win. So am I. I said it. I said it. Pantoja's really good. Yeah. He's really I just good. Think he Pantoja's great better. Like, I think Manel Cape just might be the fifth best flyweight in the world, which is no knock. Cape is great. He's great. Cape is great. Pantoja's so good. I, I, we don't sleep on this guy. He's, he's, he's going to submit him. He's going to submit him. We're not giving Manel Cape the uh, Michael Chandler, um, Justin Gaethje oh. welcome to the UFC. Like, we're hey. bringing these champions over. And you, but you think you think Manel Cape is just like, he's like an M1 champ. You know, it's not like a real thing. You know, it's just like. Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, that's what no, it sounded like, it, that's what it sounded very, like you said, AK. Okay? That's what it sounded I, like. That's I, what I heard a very tough opponent. I think I think Eddie Alvarez also lost. Opponent. Eddie Alvarez lost his first yeah. fight, so he could lose against Alexander Pantoja, who has lost to pretty much the top, like two of the top three flyweights in the world, and that's it. And like we all talk about Matt Schnell being a bad motherfucker, and look at he he got like Pantoja <laughs> crushed him. <laughs> so I Wilson wow. Reyes too. Like this cat is finishing clowns, and then getting fight of the nights. Like remember you case we watched yeah he beat Moreno twice like Figueroa right. that fight against Figueroa was awesome up in Edmonton. Yeah. Yep. So I also just think Manel Cape got pieced up real bad by Kyoji Horiguchi and Kai Asakura and that's still fresh in my mind even though he's rattled off what like 3 cents. Ian McCall, being Ian McCall is no laughing matter either like that's a tough task for anyone but I just think Pantoja is a better UFC fighter. We'll see. Agree. Agree. I think I think Mano Cape is going to be having a Michael awesome. Chandler esque. He could performance. But Pantoja is awesome, ah. and this is this is great. This is great matchmaking by the UFC. Very good. And um, Very good. no, I'm not I'm not dissing Pantoja at all. Obviously, uh, I think I think Pantoja is clearly a top ten, maybe top five. But I just think Mano Cape is awesome. He, I do he worry about ring He is one hundred percent a top five flyweight out. Pantoja right now. No, yeah, hundred okay. percent. He's only the only losses he has lately are oh, yeah, to yeah. Figueroa and Askar Askarov. Like those are the only losses he's had in like the last three, four years, and he's mm-hmm. like finished everyone else. And Askar Askarov is fighting on this card apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Up two weight classes against Cody <laughs> yeah, Stavon. It's, it's wild. Like the fight against his fight against Figueroa was probably the best Figueroa fight until the Moreno fight. I remember when Pantoja fought um, Figueredo. I was I was really into Pantoja. I thought Pantoja was gonna knock Figueredo out. Yeah, and but I was like, ooh, okay, maybe that was uh, that was the Edmonton card. Mm-hmm. I was I was, I was, was shocked. Like that, that was too. yeah, that was a little. That, to me, that was a that was a coming out party for um, Figueredo. I was like, oh man, he. I is, agree. Yeah. Well, I think when Figueredo beat Moraga, that was a big one for me because Moraga is so tough. Yeah. Cape's <laughs> longest longest layoff of his career. So I'm interested to see. Uh, I do worry about that. Um, is, I, think, like, I think he says his first time fighting in a cage, maybe since like his very, very early days. But it's crazy. Minoke, he said that he's, he's like, I went from fighting, his last fight was in, in front of 45,000 people. I was there. He was the main event in Saitama and took a year off. And now he's fighting in the apex in front of, you know, six people and, and you know, some ring card girls. So I, I'm very <laughs> interested. Also, does, did he lose to Sasaki? Cape. Cape. Uh, I don't know. Yes, I want to say that is and one of his losses. He did like, and then I think Pantoja, that's at 35. I think, I think that's at 35. Regard, oh, Pantoja yeah. taps Sasaki in the UFC too. So I just think, I think like if these are two top five flyweights, I think they're like four or five. And I just think Pantoja's four and Manel's five. All like right. it's that close. It's oh, a yeah. coin flip to me. But I, if, if I favor, I slightly favor Pantoja. How, how did um, Cape have a very intense? I didn't see the face offs. Was there any, any? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, like, Cape's wearing his mask off. Freaking huge. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping that weight cut is healthy for Cape. I hope, hoping everything. I, I, I say this all at Cape, assuming everything healthy weight cut because this last Ryzen fight was at 35. So, um, you know, so you had to cut more weight, a lot of time off. So, um, I, I'm saying all this with the assumption that we're getting the same Manel Cape that in his, that we had in his last performance. But um, lot, lot of factor, lot of different, definitely a lot of variables coming into this fight. He's made he's made weight twice in the UFC. Yeah, oh, so the oh, alternate. Yeah, you're right. Twenty twenty five. You're 256. right. Two fifty six. Two fifty six. You are correct. I think it was. I think Daniel, it was I had under, no idea who he was when too. I asked him. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> him and Kyle Dacus have uh, have homes together. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, Cape looks at that Sasaki fight as like the turning point in his career too. That was like the one where he like I had to look at myself in the mirror and realize that like I gotta get my shit together. Okay, now mm. I remember that. Yeah, because for a while, Cape, I thought, was such a high-level talent in that fight. And then I think he kind of – I think he even hinted at a retirement, Cape, for a little bit. I think it was more like he was just bummed out. But, uh, yeah. yeah Justin was a crossroads. Poirier after he, Justin Poirier retired after he lost to Habib, too. <laughs> now he's, like, the most popular fighter on the planet right now. <laughs> it's crazy. Now he's eating hot wings that are just getting hotter and hotter by the bite. And popping up in Super you guys Bowl watch commercials. That? I haven't seen it yet. Nah. It's good stuff. Is it good? Is, is I don't. It I can't good. get into it. I can't get into hot ones when it, they're not in the same room. I just can't. Uh, Obviously, it's, it's, I understand I, why, I, but it's to me, right, it just right. doesn't have the same shine. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I agree. My girlfriend's brother was watching the one with like Sam Smith, the singer, and Sam Smith's backdrop is like just the production of it was atrocious. It looked like he was uh. sitting in like Guantanamo <laughs> Bay, like terrorist cell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we uh, let's take one more. If there's yeah, we haven't we haven't we haven't mentioned this one yet. Um, what do we got, Casey? What do we got? Oh, that's a good fight too. Yeah, yeah. There's a Absolutely lot of good secret. ones. Yeah, there's, there's a lot Ode of good Osborne, ones. Ode Osborne, Ode Osborne versus Jerome Rivera is going to be a fun scrap too. Who's Ode Osborne? I don't, I don't know very much about him. Ode He's Osborne is the one that got so so a lot of people. Uh, they make he's kind of a meme on the internet because he he fought Brian Kelleher when Brian Kelleher got the bump up because he got the tiger's claw and then Brian Kelleher tapped oh, him with yeah. the, uh, oh. the tiger's eye. Remember he tapped him with that, oh that crazy guillotine, and then uh, AK's eyes were opened up to the real world, a la like I was like if you want to Casey to put it into perspective, literally I was essentially, I was essentially no Morpheus and no AK one remembers was the, Keanu Reeves the tiger's eye thing, you, and it, I gave him the people, tiger's eye so. Anywho, shout out in the comments. Shout out in the comments before that. If you have no idea what the hell Jose is talking about. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, Ode Osborne <laughs> made a comment in one of <laughs> You got muted, AK. No one can hear your your talk for your skull duggery. Anyway, uh <laughs> Ode Osborne in the fight in leading up to that fight said he was fighting, he wasn't fighting on the Connor card. Connor's fighting on the Ode Osborne card. And then he got submitted. Yes. Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Candy Lee. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? And, a, and another thing, okay. And and listen, I'm not done. And another, <laughs> you're right. Uh, uh, yeah, all right. Scary. Nice guy. Yeah, so that's a good uh, fight. Sorry, Zalal, uh, yeah, look, Choi is really good. Uh, Zalal, uh, Zalal almost had that four and oh, was almost like one of our, our front runners for like breakout fighter of the year. I, I don't know if he ended up making, uh, I think he still made some of our lists. No, I don't think he made the cut. Any of our lists. He, he was he one did. of those guys, there were a few guys that could have gone like four and oh or something like that. Yeah, in, in, 
and he they uh, they kept loot like I think Bobby Green was one, Zalal was one, mm-hmm. and then eventually Kevin Holland snapped the trend. But yeah, I think Zalal right, yeah. was like three and one last year, something like that. Yeah, he lost the last fight. He lost the last one that would have like we were like, oh man, like he's really, really. He still had a breakout year. I mean, he just lost the last one of the. Oh, is he? Did he lose to? He lost to something really good. What was his? He lost to yeah, Elliot Taporia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And is he the? Who's he the cornerman of? Like Brandon Royval and the he's Factory the team, X team elevation guy, right? Oh, Factory X, yeah. Who's he's the, the loudest corner? Who's the real quiet guy that doesn't like talking? Oh, Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, is he the cornerman for him too? <laughs> yes, the yeah. loudest corner because they because the they are like the polar opposites on fight, when they were on Fight Island. Oh, <laughs> uh, just so Crystal Crew uh, is here. Oh, she definitely remember anyway. Uh, but yeah, and don't sleep on Sungwoo Choi, Choi either. Sungwoo Choi is re- a really really talented guy. Uh, super exciting. I think he's I think he's got some real real knockout power uh, at, that, at that weight, which is uh, I think is he normal? This is a featherweight fight. They're both normally no no. Zalal is a featherweight. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but. Uh, yeah, Troy's got some real knockout power. Definitely a great fight to have in the prelims. So, yeah, don't miss that one. I like it. Good pick. Molly uh, McCann. Nice stare down with Lara Procopio. Got some pushing and shoving. Fun ooh, stuff. She's always, like, she's always like that, though. Molly says it herself. Like She just kind of loses <laughs> control and gets in the face of her opponent. Sean Shelby's like, ah, damn it. Got to split them up. <laughs> got to do something. <laughs> Yes, I got to move now. Got to move. Um, um, yeah. Um, well, guys, we're good, been, right? We've been talking over an hour. We listen, have, and listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this again tomorrow, yeah. right before the fight starts. So, you know, you have plenty of time to think about your questions, and we'll rifle them off tomorrow. So, in the meantime, and in between time, for Jose, AK, EKC Lydon, I am Mike Heck. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. BKFC Knuckle Mania tonight. Get Knuckle ready. Ma- Knuckle oh, Mania. Yeah. Knuckle Mania. EVZ and BKFC. Let's go. Oh. Me too, Domino Effect. Me too. I hate <laughs> it. I hate <laughs> it, Domino Effect. I'm, r- I'm right with you. <laughs> oh, go away. <laughs> oh, get out of there. <laughs> Godspeed, everybody. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. 
Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic.